Welcome to My Morning Cup, a podcast by Costa Media Advisors. My Morning Cup, where we have interesting conversations with genuine people. Our inaugural guest is Clint Powell, a Renaissance man extraordinaire. He's a podcaster. He has During the Break, of By For The People, Day Fire podcast, and Vital Health Radio with Ed Jones. Clint was actually named the best local podcaster by WDEF Television. He's a business owner, entrepreneur. He's had everything from cleaning companies to billboard companies to ad agencies. And Clint was a rugby player, an organizer of the kids and pros football camp. So Clint, first, let me welcome you to My Morning Cup. Thank you very much. That's a pretty good introduction. I like that. I know where you found it, too. <laughs> LinkedIn's got this thing where it says if you look at your profile. So you were on LinkedIn yesterday. Oh, yes. You, you did know, your link, job. LinkedIn is a great service. I do it Absolutely. all the time. You know, before we get into how playing rugby is like starting a business, I want you to answer this question for okay. me. Okay. What's in your morning cup? Do you really want to know? Because I do coffee, but I do it with a twist. What's your twist? Okay, so I, I put in extra virgin olive oil, apple cider vinegar, three things of stevia, and a little bit of turmeric. I got to know what's behind that. <laughs> well, you get your omega-3s and fatty acids. You get your apple cider vinegar, which helps with your blood sugar. And the turmeric has got cumin in it, which helps with inflammation. It's just my first cup. And then stevia is a natural mm-hmm. sweetener. And then the next two cups are just regular old black coffee. And you don't put any sweetener in those? I put a couple of stevias, but there's none of that extra stuff in there. Wow. That just freaked everybody out listening to your first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now, if we, now if we can get everyone back. <laughs> don't, please don't turn the channels on or just change it right now. The olive oil, huh? Yeah, I do. Uh, so I do the extra virgin, I'm sorry, extra virgin coconut oil. That's not oh, my okay. olive oil. oil. I drink a, a table shot of olive oil every morning per Ed Jones at Nutrition World. I yeah. learned this as I get older, all this stuff that I didn't know when I was young. You know, you can eat pizza when you're young and <laughs> you're fine. Well, you know, if you put olive oil on your pizza, it's okay. <laughs> Donuts, whatever you sprinkle it on, yeah. So I tell myself. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely. Right. Well, th- that is interesting. I, yeah. I don't believe I've ever seen that in my morning cup. I was thinking you were going to tell me it had something to do with Tennessee whiskey or something like that. <laughs> Irish whiskey later in the evening, different kind of coffee. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So here, here's the question for you. You played rugby as a recreational sport mm-hmm. and also in college? No, not college, just recreational. Recreational yeah. sport. Take me a little bit how you got into that and how it relates to business. I got started late in rugby when I was around 30 or 31. I was in the gym, had a few friends, and a buddy of mine said, man, you ought to play rugby. Because mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, okay, well, I've never played rugby. But I saw the guys practicing a few times when I would go walk with my family. Went to a few practices, played my first game, got hit real hard and fell in love with it. <laughs> got hit real hard oh, and fell yeah. in love with it. Yeah, if you get hit really hard in rugby and you smile, yeah. you'll be fine. Does that smile include the number of teeth? Yes. Sometimes, well, one's a, a little loose. You just got to yeah. play with it a little bit. It tightens back up. But a couple of things, I guess, from rugby and business, teamwork sounds silly, but when you start a business, it's important to put the right people around you. And um, that's kind of the first thing I learned. It's the same thing as networking, mm-hmm. having the right people around you who are good at things that you're not good at. So in rugby, you got people that are really, really big and slow, and you're looking right at me, so thank you so much. <laughs> and then you got people who are kind of small and fast, and then you got the hybrids that are big and fast, and they're the all-stars, right? Mm-hmm. But everybody has a role to play. It's a good team, and you have spacing. 
Mm-hmm. You know how to space yourselves as the game progresses. But in, in starting a business, one of the first things I do when I try to help people now is tell them, hey, let's talk about who's on your unofficial board of directors or who's on your team, who's sitting at the table with you, and what are they bringing to the table that you can use, and what can you give them in return? Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. So a little bit about what you're doing now and, and how you started. You, you consult businesses now. I do sales coaching, them. yeah, and bit small business coaching, yeah. And it's Connect Marketing? Yeah, I use it actually through Connect Chattanooga. It's really a, a crazy story. I'm just now using my, me as my brand because mm-hmm. I closed Connect Marketing down about three years ago, and people started reaching out to me going, do you still do the consulting? Because that was a small part of what I did right. in the ad agency. And I'm like, well, I haven't done it in a few years. And within six months, I had six people say, can you help us? And I'm like, well, I'll just fire it back up. Well, I I would think your personal brand has got to be pretty strong. I moved here 22 years ago, and we probably met at least 15, if not 20 of those years ago. And Mm -hmm. you've always had your hand in something Mm -hmm. uh, with that. So I I could imagine people reaching out based on you, not so much on Connect Marketing. Well, you know, I called it Connect Marketing originally because I knew a lot of people. And so the whole concept was connecting people who had problems or needed help that were outside my skill set. So I really got to where people would call me up and go, hey, I need somebody that does this, or do you know somebody that does that? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll hook you up with my buddy Mike over here. He's got a great ad agency, boom. And then I get out of the way. But now I've got stronger bonds with those three people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a triangle now of relationships, and that's a strong base. That, that's a similar thing that I've found since I've started. My greatest strength has been the people I know mm-hmm. and connecting other people with them, figuring out who needs what and who can work well together. Yeah. And the temptation, at least one of the struggles I had when I started the ad agency, was saying yes to things that I wasn't good at because I saw cash flow. Right. You know, so I'm like, okay, I need some cash flow. Can you do digital advertising? Yeah, absolutely. And then you start trying it or you hire people and now you've increased your overhead right? and you're living under this stress. And I think that's what kills the quality of life a lot of times as an entrepreneur is we say yes to things we shouldn't and we say no to things that we may should say right. yes to. But I, I did that a lot of times and then I just realized, no, no, I'm not good at it. So I'll just connect you with somebody. So how'd you learn how to say no? Went broke. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit because that, yeah. that is the cycle. Well, and I don't mean broke as I didn't have enough cash flow. I mean, there's a lot of ways to be broke. Yeah. You can be broke financially. You can be broke spiritually, mentally, in relationships, your energy. And we act like we're in this big, you know, they're all siloed and they're not. They're all connecting. And so if you go broke in one area and you've been ignoring your relationships for your money, mm-hmm. you can last like that for a while. You can't build a life full of, that's, that's enjoyable, full of content on that. Same if I, if I don't have a relationship with whatever I call spiritual. Mm-hmm. If I ignore that, eventually there's going to be a calling that comes to me. And it may be later in life, but I think that's how you get regrets. You ignore parts of your life for long periods of time to chase stuff that's not fulfilling. Has there ever been anything you chased that when you caught it, you sat back and said, oh, this is the greatest thing ever? Or did you sit back and go, that's really not what I thought it would be? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to say money because money wasn't it. It's almost a, a mirage of I've arrived. And, I, you know, I've done an article on this and a podcast on the most dangerous place for a business owner and a salesperson is success. 
because once you get there, it's intoxicating. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you you just get hypnotized by, I figured it out, whether it's in media or in sales, whatever it is. Even your marriage, you get comfortable because you figured it out. Well, I'm happy. Well, happy is a temporary thing. So your happiness was not what I thought it would be because it's not permanent. You have to work at it. It takes effort. So money and happiness, if you don't appreciate what it took to get there and then keep it up, it'll be super disappointing. What are some of the signs along the way that tell you that, you know what, maybe I need to step back and reevaluate, see where I'm going. Is this what I want to do? Mm. Sleep, going to bed at night. Being able to sleep. Mm, yeah, and, and peace. You know, again, uh, life, everything in life is temporary. Every emotion, every financial situation, all really, everything is so temporary. But if you find yourself constantly going to bed at night under stress and waking up under stress, then there's something, in my opinion, there's something in your life you're doing that you know you should stop, or there's something in your life you're not doing that you need to start. Mm-hmm. And the problem with stopping is it's always hard. You have to pick your pain. Starting's hard. Continuing on in a way you think I can't live is hard. Right. Starting is always better next week, next Monday, next month. When I get to the next level of life, I'll start then. So you're stuck in this paradox of I'm just living in the same stress at night in the mornings. If you find yourself doing that long term, you won't make it. Yeah, my wife and I have talked a bit about uh, if we could just get to this point, if we could just get to this point, and you never get to that point. It's the oasis in the desert, right? It's that like yeah. a mirage. It's like, oh, I think it's right there. And you point and you get there and you go, where the heck is it? Yeah. It was supposed to be here. My, where's my peace? Yeah. Where's that money? And to, it's gone. To borrow a phrase, they move the goalpost. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Some people tear them down and then some <laughs> people who, move them. Yeah. There's, a, there's a football reference for some friends. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You've had successes. You've had challenges. What have you learned more from? Mm, oh, well, and I think anybody worth their salt will say from their failures, I learned to appreciate the things I'm good at and value them. I didn't used to do that as much. Mm-hmm. So I've learned the lesson from successes is to just own them. Don't be embarrassed. It's not ego. There's some things everybody's good at. There's mm-hmm. two or three things that you just are good at. If you're listening to this, identify them. And then the failures um, usually came from not keeping my ego in check, not checking those things on a nightly and morning basis, you know, it, and not appreciating that. So the lessons probably from the failures – but I think there's lessons in both. Take me a little bit through your career path. We're about the same age. I think you're probably four or five years younger than me. Right. Much better looking than me. Of course. Well, podcast. Nobody can deny yeah. it. You per- can't see me. Perfect face for radio. <laughs> Absolutely. As they say. Absolutely. You went to Carson Newman. Mm-hmm. You get out of school. You started a couple of business. Just take me yeah. through that timeline of why you decided to do that, how it went, and how you went to your next step. I'll make this as fast as possible. I ran a few gyms as gym manager from the ages of 19 to 22. Ran some gyms here and up at Carson Newman. And then I got out, went to work part-time, and then eventually full-time into group home for boys and helping on weekends is how I started. I'd been there about two and a half years. A buddy of mine came to me who had just graduated UTC, said, let's start a business. I've got an idea, commercial cleaning. So the day I quit the group home, I had no income. So I had to start selling. I had to start cold calling, and I would park my car at the end of one of the busy business streets, and I would walk up a quarter mile, knock on every door, come across the street, walk back down the other side to my car. 
did that for about three years, and we had some success. I had about five or six part-time employees. Got married. Didn't want to go check on employees every night or go clean yeah. when the sun goes down. I also inherited a little six-year-old stepson. I had a family. Sold my part to my partner. Went and applied at, well, back then it was Radio Chattanooga. Talk Radio 102.3 and 1150 AM. Worked there for seven or eight years. Did pretty well in radio. Started a billboard company. No intentions of building to sell, but we sold it after about two and a half, three years. Then uh, another life lesson. So I'll interject a life lesson right here. A lot of times business owners, insert my name, Clint Powell, here. When you're, when you're good at something, you think you're good at everything. That's why we refuse help a lot of times. So I sold a billboard company, had some money. And, of course, I am now probably pretty one of the smartest guys you know. Oh, I would have If you'd have so asked me. How old were you, about 35 maybe? 30, I was probably 37, yeah. 38. And I was just, I knew it. I'd figured it out. I'd arrived, right? Of course. And so I took all this money, not all of it. I took a portion of it after I paid taxes and gave some to the church. I started flipping houses. They do it in 30 minutes on HGTV, and oh, yeah. everybody makes money. Uh, I lost some money, <laughs> just to say the least. Yeah. Realized I wasn't that great at everything. From that lesson, I went back into the working world, managed a few radio stations for a while. Then I went to, back to talk for a couple of years, left there to start my ad agency, Connect. When you started the cleaning company, you said you'd park your car mm. and walk up, go into Well, there was no business. cell phones. How valuable was that for you in the sales process of everything you've done since then? It was valuable in sales to learn sales and to help other sales reps, but it's also super valuable in life because you have to get used to being told no and not so nice terms all the time. Mm -hmm. You don't get your way. In the world we live in now, we're so used to immediate gratification, and we're so used to just, what do you mean I'm not getting affirmed? What do you mean I'm not the best at ever? you got to get told no, get out of my shop, don't come back, uh, lied to, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, uh, it learn was, to take rejection. Oh, it, well, you, you learn, and I do this with sales reps now, walk them through the numbers. Every time you get told no has a dollar value attached to it. If you're running your numbers correctly, every time – Mike Costa and Clint Powell had been told no, we were making money because it was a necessary step to the next step, which was the next no and the next no to the next yes. You can equate it, if you're a sports fan, to uh, yards per attempted pass. You know, Absolutely. You're, you're not looking at completions. You're looking at yards per attempted pass. There's a, there's a monetary figure. It's amazing when you take young sales reps and walk them through the numbers. Every time you're rejected, you made money. Mm -hmm. And they're like... I don't understand. And I'm walking them through the numbers. And to me, it makes sense. But I'm also in my mid-50s. And they're in their late 20s, early 30s. And when the, when the light bulb goes off, and I say, look, don't make this hard. Just put tick marks on your board. And just start going through your nose. I've got to get through 27 nose this week. If I get through right. 27 nose, then I kind of know I'm going to make some money. I had, a, I had a sales manager tell me once, right now, you need to go out and get some nose. Pick up the phone, go call on some folks, go get some news yeah. because you're in a slump. And it's, it's like baseball. you got to get up a plate and swing. That's right. You swing your way through it. I, I tell everybody, uh, and, of course, you know it better than I do, the two best times to make a sales call is when you've been told no 
or you've been told yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the no, you know your next, the next one may be the yes, and the yes is you're energized and the no ain't going to bother you. I want to circle back to what you said about how everyone wants to be affirmed. I think social media plays a huge role in that. And we talked a little bit earlier about LinkedIn, and particularly when LinkedIn started, I really liked it from a network connection standpoint. It seems like every day it's someone in the morning talking about, let's go out there, it's a beautiful day, rah, 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 rah. And I look at that and I go, come on. Let's be real. We want to be positive, but this is not helping anyone. Right. What are your thoughts? I kind of think we are inundated so much being air quote connected that we're losing connection with Mm -hmm. people and with reality and relationships and just taking a hike and coffee, Mm -hmm. a cup of coffee in the mornings on the back porch. We just miss those because we got to take our phone with us or we got to be connected somehow. But on the flip side, there's so much negative in the world. In my opinion, it's it's on every newscast. Mm-hmm. You, you've got war over here. You've got poverty over here. You've got people, friends labeling each other over politics now. And in reality, you do have all of this negativity out there. And so I'm not going to begrudge people throwing positive stuff out there because I may not like it. You may not like it. But somebody that may tune in, it may hit them at the right time and them go, I really needed that this morning. Now I feel like a curmudgeon. Thanks. Well, well, <laughs> but does that make sense, though? No, it makes all the sense in the world I, I, because everyone absorbs a message differently. Absolutely. I, I say a lot of the same things that you say yeah. and that you've heard from your mentors or people. But there may be two people that hear it from me that they're not going to get it from you. And you may have five people that hear what you say and it resonates. And when I say it, they go, yeah, some, something about the way he delivers it. Mm-hmm. I don't really like it, but I love it when Mike says it this way or when Tony Robbins says it this way, mm-hmm. even though they got a bigger platform. And plus, you can scroll. You don't have to stop at my positive stuff. That's that's a great point. You made me look at it differently. Well, yeah. Now everybody go to my LinkedIn and look at all my raw raw stuff. I don't <laughs> I don't post that much raw raw stuff. No, on you LinkedIn. really you really yeah. don't. And I'm not referring to that. Yeah, I don't know. So I said all that good stuff, but it's also hard to parse out who's genuine with it and who's doing it simply to build a brand because it's such a brand building world now, which we know the value of. But a lot of times, as my grandmother used to say and said to a doctor when she was 94 years old, sometimes we're all foam and no beer. <laughs> I would have liked your grandmother. My grandmother was a bad woman now. Yeah. She was a different generation. 94 <laughs> years old, doctor walked in. She was 90 when this happened. She had broke her hip. She was supposed to get released the day before. Doctor walked in, young guy. We're all standing there. He goes, now, Miss Francis, you're gonna be, we're going to let you out today at 2 o'clock. And she goes, that's what you said yesterday. She, he goes, yeah, but we found you a place. She goes, Young man, you're very attractive, but you're all foam and no beer. I want out of this place. And he looked at us, and we were like, don't look at us. We've been living with that for, for 50 years, man. Yep. But that's what you get on social media a lot of times. And I'm guilty of it. And, and we all I, are, I am too. Yeah. We, all, we all are. And there's a bit of a chest beating. But that's it. why I like podcasts, yeah. especially conversational podcasts, because then you can show a few of the warts you're comfortable with and a few of your flaws so people can see that you're genuine and not everything that Mike's touched has turned to gold, and not everything that Clint's touched is, has succeeded. And I think that's where people, I think that's why they gravitate to podcasts. You're, you're correct. And that's really what, what I'd like to capture mm-hmm. with my morning cup is, is that you do, particularly with social media today, see everyone's successes and how great they are, and, and pictures of, look at me, I'm, I'm in Monte Carlo and I'm doing this. But there's a lot more to the story. Oh. And, and, you know, related back to you, you've had a lot of successes over your career, but I'm sure you've also had a lot of times that you've sat back and said, oh, my God, I can't believe that just happened to me. What, what, what's an example of something like that that you just were caught flat-footed and thought, 
I don't know what I'm going to do next. Mm, yeah. So shutting my connect business down was one of those looking back on it. I was making plenty of money. Mm-hmm. If I could have listened to some good, good advice um, and not been caught up in my emotions. Cause that came shortly after a divorce. So if I could have taken advice, put my ego aside, I probably could have saved that company. That took me flat footed when yeah. I made the decision. Cause it was a very one day we're going to fight. And then the next time I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. And, and that, that took me a little by surprise. What was that advice that you wish you had taken? Cut out some of my overhead and be better with my money. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay with money on a scale of one to 10. I'm a six mm-hmm. and I give myself a six cause I don't want to be average. <laughs> it's an ego thing. <laughs> but back in the day, I would have said I'm an eight. I built myself a shield of ego to just, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, but, but, but. And we butt ourselves through this little maze of bad decisions. Every time you said you would give me advice, have you thought of cutting your overhead? Have you thought of looking at your service menu? Going back to, I was saying yes to 12 things I can do. I was really only good at five or six of them. So there, there's a such thing as called lead loss. You do something to get a client so you can make money on other mm-hmm. services. You can't have half your menu being lead losses. That just is called losses. <laughs> so, so you spend your time doing things you're not great at. You brought up a word that, frankly, for me, has been a, a struggle over the last four years. I was in a position that gave me opportunity and exposure to a lot of things in town. Running a TV station mm-hmm. was, was a nice ego position. And, and leaving that, the ego adjustment's probably the most difficult I always equated running a television station with being a 12-year-old whose parents decide to get a swimming pool. You've got all these new friends, and you're not sure if they're there for you or the pool, but you don't care until they're not there. Until the pool's gone. Right. And, and that's, that's kind of the experience I went through when I decided to get out of uh, broadcast television. It's, I realized that, yes, I had a lot of connections. A lot of those were professional, but the personal ones were the most important ones. They sort out pretty quickly, too. They sort out real quickly, a lot quicker than I think anyone imagines. Yeah, what's the old quote? Um, a client will become a friend faster than a friend will become a client. I had to learn, too, to put some perspective in that because I would say, why aren't they spending money with me? And I didn't know they're behind the scenes. So I'm going to try to tie two things together at once. You talked about Facebook and the pictures, right, You're in Monte Carlo. Well, behind that picture of Monte Carlo, and I use myself as an example, behind the pictures on the beach, there was people struggling on a marriage. There was people that may be taking a vacation and they really shouldn't. They don't have, they can't afford it. Or their kid may be in trouble or somebody may be passing away. You don't know. You don't know. And looking back on all the pictures I was posting, when you start evaluating relationships, I remember that now. So it comes with melancholy. I was super happy, but I know what we were going through as a family, not just in a relationship, mm-hmm. as a company. And so you, you see that part of it, and then you circle it all back around to, I don't know what my friends are going through, and instead of being resentful, why aren't they spending money with me? I had to learn some maturity and go, because I don't know what they're going through. That's a great point, because we do see the surface. That's all we see. And there, there are struggles that everyone has, whether they're personal, whether they're professional, whether they're financial, that fill in those gaps of the story. Yeah. To your point about doing business with friends, as you're growing your business and you see some of your friends doing business with people who do similar things or similar services that you were doing, what's your reaction? 
I think again, that initial reaction is why we're we're buddies or right. we're friends. I've known you for twenty years. Why aren't you spending thousand bucks with me a month or five hundred dollars with me a month? Whether it was the billboard company or the ad agency. And then again, some of the best advice I've taken, not personal, just through uh, Jocko Wilnick and Echelon, the the leadership training Jocko Wilnick does. He's got a great podcast. He's well known around the world. But is uh, perspective learning to zoom out and get some a bigger view of things. And it took me a while, but I had to do what I was just saying. I had to zoom out and go, look, we're friends. That's good enough. That's that's there for a reason. And if they're doing business with other people, then they've got their reasons. My job is not to take it personally and ruin what I have. Of the things you've done since you got out of college, what was the fun thing? What was the thing you look back on and said, man, those, those were the, the heydays, the good times. Business or personal? Which B- one we business. Got? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was going to say personal, man. That was, that's fun stuff. Uh, I love the sales coaching and the consulting I'm doing and firing it back up. But I did for about 10 or 12 years, I bet I did 20 speaking engagements a year. And in college, one of the things that prevented me from graduating on time, I graduated almost a year later, was I had to take two classes that I kept dropping. One was Spanish and one was public speaking, and I hated it. Couldn't stand it. One of the most exciting things I've done that I love to do is speak in front of people on this topic. It's a blast to me, and it's almost a little like rugby. You get nervous. Mm-hmm. You got to have your game together. You got to have a plan together, and then when it starts, you just got to kind of adapt to who you're talking to. Well, I'd also imagine you're, you're speaking a little bit from the heart because oh. it, it was a fear, and you're facing that fear by talking about that oh, fear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, can you do that same public speaking, that same speech in Spanish? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Give a plug for your company. Well, uh, sales and small business coaching, you can just find me, Clint Powell, on Facebook. Powell at gmail.com is my email address. Podcast during the break, conversations with just people like yourself, entertainment, uh, health and fitness, politics. Of Buying for the People is mostly politics. We do some deep dives that don't have narrative. It's on the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, facts, court cases. And then Day Fire Podcast is about adventures in the great outdoors from people all around the country doing it all around the world, mm-hmm. small to big, Red Bull athletes, Olympians, down to people chasing waterfalls. Dawson Wheeler, who was the founder and owner of Rock Creek Outfitters and sold it about three years ago, he's the guy that, that I'm lucky enough to work with on that one. Well, you are a renaissance man, that's for sure. Well, I'm, yeah. You talked a little bit about when you were at Carson Newman uh, working with, was it the Boys Club? or oh, It was after Carson Newman. It was a group home for, for group boys. Group home yeah. for boys. Mm-hmm. You do the kids and pros. Kids and pros football and camp. I, and I know you've been heavily involved with YCAP. Oh, yeah, I love YCAP. Talk about those yeah. things a bit. Why, why you want to take a, a percentage of your time, whether it's daily or weekly, yeah. and, and do that. I don't know. I, you know, there's a verse, whether people believe it in the Bible or not, there's a verse in the Bible that says when you go through things, it's basically your obligation a little bit to try and help people that you can relate to, right? In other words, God doesn't waste pain, in my opinion. And I was raised great. I didn't have a bad childhood at all. But outside the group home, because that was more because I needed a job, but I fell in love with helping kids. But the Kids and Pros football camp, you get to see all of these kids coming from every place. And, and this is not a political statement, but the kids – don't care what color anybody is. They don't know if you if you arrived in a Lexus or if you arrived on the bus. They're on the field with people that they look up to. And it's not me. I'm just the director. But we've got a bunch of local pros and people that come from Atlanta. And so they're looking up to these college and pro football players. That day might be the change in their lives. I've got several testimonies from, from mothers that will call you up 
two years later and say, by the way, my son got a college scholarship. And it all started back in eighth grade when he, or sixth grade when he came to that Kids and Pros football camp. And then YCAP, to me, I know it's being modeled in other cities around the country. It's the oldest in Tennessee continual program like it is. It's trying to break cycles. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is the biggest thing. It's trying to break, step in and be an intervention into that family. So they provide tutoring. They provide food. They provide skill sets, boxing. They're really known for boxing. And I'll give you a great example of, of why I love them, and then I'll give it back to you to ask the next question. When they get kids in, and all three of their local program centers, they have one here, one in Udawa, and they have one up in Cleveland. One of the first things they do when they get them back in the building is they sit them all down. They go, hey, tell us about your day. Now, we take that for granted if you've been raised right. I've been raised right. I had a great family. And I always had somebody asking me how my day was. These kids, a lot of times, don't have that. We take that small thing if somebody cares enough for me to talk, tell you what I was scared of, what I did good at, what made me mad, what I'm proud of. Refrigerators. That nobody's putting their stuff up on a refrigerator. Yeah. YCAP does. You know, my wife and I are involved with YCAP. And you really hit on the thing I like about it. My great impression is these are just little boys. When they go home, they don't get to be little boys. A lot of them have got to be the man of the house. A lot of them have got to be the tough guy. Right. A lot of them have got to be someone they're not. But when they get to YCAP, they're 10, 11, 12-year-old boys doing what 10, 11, 12-year-old boys do. And it's a bit of an oasis for them. Well, yeah, and how am I supposed to, if I'm a nine-year-old and I don't know if my electricity is going to be on, I don't know where I'm going to eat, and, and sometimes it's because they've been neglected, sometimes it's because they're being raised by grandmothers or moms or great-grandparents who are working or doing the best they can. They, they can't be in three places at once. They're struggling themselves, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, how am I supposed to expect that child to care about math hey man we really need you to be quiet and sit down and learn this multiplication tables they're not coming from that that their basic needs aren't met so they don't care about your math you know i don't know where i'm eating tonight leave me alone so for someone who's who's starting a business and is focused on growing their business growing their career why should they be concerned with doing something like a ycap or some activity that is not related to advancing their career that's a bigger life question, and, and um, I actually try to teach my kids this. It is really easy to become very myopic and very, especially when you're building a business, and we forget that perspective. I think it helps you zoom out. I think it helps you do what we've talked about in this podcast. Helping other people helps you see problems are bigger than yours. Yeah. Everybody's struggling. You bring value to the table. Sometimes as a business owner, you feel like a failure. The signs on the door and the lights are on the next day, but you went home that night before going, I, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and, and, and the best way to forget that is go help somebody else because by helping other people, you kind of realize, yeah, this my company's a dot on the timeline of life. It's okay. Right. It's going to be fine. I know with what I've been doing over the last couple of years, there's been times I've gone home and my wife says, well, how was your day? And you're like, well, I didn't sell anything today or I didn't do this. So it wasn't a good day. And you've got to put those things in perspective, as you said. Oh, failure is part of the recipe. A great meal, even the best thing in the meal, if it's too much, it ruins the meal. If it's not handled correctly. So if you don't think failure is part of being a success in anything, 
Some of the best things I guarantee in your relationship with your wife have come through disagreements you've had, learning boundaries. That's how you learn about each other more. That's part of a successful marriage. It's also part of a successful business. And we're coming up on our 35th anniversary. People say, you know, what's the secret? The secret is you've got to work at it. I mean, it's hard work. It's work that's well worth what you're getting out of it, but you can't take it for granted, and you have to constantly be working with each other. The number one thing I tell business owners and sales reps is, is true in your marriage or in any healthy relationship. We all have relationships with our money, with our God, with our time, and with our business and our wives and girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever. And that is spending time intentionally on those things. So most of the time, business owners, the number one thing I tell them is they find a time during the course of the week that you can spend one hour every single week reviewing your KPIs, which are key performance indicators, and your LPIs, life performance indicators. How am I on everything outside the business? If you're not spending time on reviewing both of those, that's where you get off balance. That's where you miss that harmony. And, quit, and, and stop asking, am I happy, and ask, am I healthy? Those are some really good questions to ask. It's the same in your marriage, though, or, or with whatever I'm doing. If, as soon as I stop being intentional with my time, that's when you wake up and go, what do you mean you like kayaking? <laughs> you know, how did I gain 30 pounds? We probably maintain our cars better than we do a lot of our relationships. Yeah. Everything is a relationship that I have with it. And the things I can see, things I can't see. Everything that happens in our life starts in an invisible place. This table was imagined by somebody that drew it out first. This podcast started first in your brain. Everything we do comes from our mind, and yet we spend the least time there to understand it. And that reflects in our marriage, in our business, in our money, in our health. I think this has been extremely insightful. You've got a great insight to offer people, and I really appreciate the time you've taken to talk to us today. Well, thank you. Before I get to the last question, I do want to remind people that if you're enjoying what you are hearing today, to I don't know if you hit a like button somewhere or where we are, and I'm sure Madison will tell me at some point how we're doing that. Hey, Strew- you want me to help you out a little bit? Yeah. Watch this. You guys go give him a rating and review. It will help him grow his podcast. Share it with your friends on social media. <laughs> and, and this is a great way where everybody goes, how do I help my friends? Well, sometimes you got to spend money. Sometimes you have to go to the grand openings, right? Sometimes, right? sometimes it's easy. Like, hey, I really love his podcast. Share it with five or six of your friends. It takes 30 seconds. See, you you're a good friend. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I there don't know if I could have done that better. Yeah. It's set up perfect. All right, I'm going to ask you one last question. Uh-huh. What would you tell your 25-year-old self about what's really important for a happy life? Mm, this too shall pass. My, my mother told me that growing up, and the older I've gotten, the more I realize that all my emotions, you know, emotion, emotions are healthy. They tell us something. It, it's how we handle those emotions that become unhealthy, right? All emotions are very healthy. It's symptoms, mm-hmm. signs of something. But the good times, when you made all the money, it'll pass. It'll pass. Better prepare. Those bad times when you've had a loss, it'll pass. How you handle it matters. I like the way you say that. I've, I've uh, been reading a book, The Daily Stoic. Read it last year, started over again this year. It's not about what happens to you. It's about how you respond to what happens to you. And 
frankly, that's been immeasurable for me, being the son of a full-blooded Sicilian. I tended to wear my emotions <laughs> on my sleeves yes. through the years. Yeah. The only reason I'm here is you made me a deal I can't refuse. Well, well I, I got news for you. The door's locked right <laughs> now, and you might not get out. <laughs> I'm Irish. Well, I'll drink my way out of it. Well, we'll I'm a quarter Irish, so I'll be right with you. There you go. <laughs> well, Clint, this, is, this has been fabulous. I really appreciate the time you took. I got a lot out of it. I'm sure our audience will get a lot out of it. Uh, you've been a good friend. Thank you so much for joining us on My Morning cup and listen to what Clint said. Like it, share it, and come back.